Welcome. We're here. Uh, this is Jeff Kober. We're glad to have you with us today for uh, DisneyAtWork.com. And I'm thrilled to have our guest of honor, John Frost, owner of the Disney blog, TheDisneyBlog.com. John, good, e good evening. Welcome. How are you doing? Great. Glad to be here. Thank you so much, Jeff. As they say, first time caller, long time listener. I really admire the Disney at Work podcast. I'm happy, very happy to be a guest here. I don't know anyone who doesn't have the DisneyBlog.com on their uh, as a bookmark on their internet. But uh, for those of you who might not, John is a pioneer that goes way back before AOL started making noises on your <laughs> computer. I think <laughs> just about isn't that right, John? Yes. Well, I've been writing about Disney online for uh, since before the internet was called the internet. Back when I was in college, I started. With on Usenet, with uh, writing on Records Disney and all Disney Disneyland, the longtime Disney online people may remember all those. When I moved to Southern California, uh, sort of kind of hung out with the group that, uh, you know, came to the park frequently. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in that group uh, were looking out east. We saw some of the uh, OG Walt Disney World websites like uh, WW Information Guide, which was uh, became Deb's All Ears Net, WW Info, which is now known as the Diz, and Intercot, which is now known as Intercot. And we're like, why can't we do that out here for Disneyland? And so in 1999, laughingplace.com was born. Um, I had a small part in that. I was there, uh, kind of helped just a little bit and was their first staff writer writing some of the first stories for laughingplace.com and was also part of the team that uh, was the first ever online media invited to a Disney theme park press event, which was pretty cool. And, uh, and you know, so, you know, we, and then out of that group kind of came the websites like Mouse Planet and MySage, uh, which has been in the news a little bit recently. <laughs> and, um, and you know, from that font sprung sprung you know a, a lot a lot of great websites, and uh, you know it's a it's good it's great to be part of that. My theory has always been that a rising tide lifts all boats. And in 2004, I hung out my own shingle with the Disney blog. And matter of fact, it's been 15 years as of June that I've been writing the DisneyBlog.com. So um, it's definitely a passion, not something I'm doing to get rich by any stretch of the imagination. But, uh, you know, I enjoy writing for my fans and uh, giving fan interaction and then getting to make great uh, other Disney fans like you. You know, you have just made me feel really young. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you very much. No, in truth, um, people, the Disney didn't even pay attention uh, to bloggers um, like ourselves barely uh, 10 years ago. And it, it has evolved over time. Um, yeah, I think Disney pays attention to bloggers and the other websites. Uh, you know, they've been inviting us online media, as I like to be called. Uh, I don't like the term influencer, but uh, that's what Disney calls us, influencers. Um, they've been inviting us to press events for uh, quite quite some time, as you know, as long as I've lived out in Orlando. So, um, you know, and uh, it's it's a pretty frequent uh, thing, but you know. We know our place. We know that the the big television stations and newspapers and magazines, they you know, they get the front of the line at all these interviews. 
uh, we, you know, we're just happy when happy to be invited. So, um, but you know, I really want to thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. I've been thinking of starting my own podcast. You should, you should have a podcast. You would be great. Um, Hey, so here's the premise of this uh, podcast is we, uh, this is actually, uh, the date is Tuesday, August 13th when we're recording this. And I mention that because D23 is a little more than a week and a half away. And I am certain by the time we even get to putting this live in the next few days that probably the rumor mill will have jumped uh, big time as to what is being announced at D23. This is not so much a podcast about what we think is going to be announced, although we could talk about that and share our thoughts and insights around what we think that might be. Rather, I saw it as an opportunity for us to talk about what we would like to have announced at D23. And so we thought we'd take a, a look at Disneyland and the resort there and then and then Walt Disney World as well. And so uh, since you're the guest of honor, let's just start right at, uh, at the Disneyland uh, Park. Uh, share with us, John, uh, one or two things that you would really like to see announced for uh, the happiest place on Earth. Well, uh, after Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is finished, uh, you know, then, you know, that would lead me to my first wish, an upgrade for Toontown along with uh, the debut of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Uh, I think, you know, that there's a whole, you can use just a little bit, you know, refreshing and pixie dust. And there's a couple areas in there mm-hmm. that I think, uh, you know, might might even be able to use a little more reimagining. So, uh, you know, fix up the uh, the trolley, maybe add a little entertainment, bring a little entertainment into the area again. You know, just uh, do something, do something more. Since that part of the park is definitely going to be a lot busier, Toontown Trolley is one of those things that I, I think about. Um, uh, so, and I am thrilled that they are putting Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Train behind it. It does give new life uh, to that corner of the park, and I think will revitalize the attendance in that corner. So. Um, I, I'm putting down for a big announcement on, on something new in Tomorrowland. Iger has already mentioned that something needed to go there, that, that it is overdue for attention. I've heard that uh, Walt Disney Imagineering wants to take another stab at Tomorrowland. Uh, this is a, you know, a tricky beast for a lot of reasons. Uh, mostly the idea of futurism isn't uh, you know, in the forefront of thought for the, uh, in our post-postmodern society. But also just the pace of technology has changed so dramatically with Moore's Law driving the size of computer chips smaller and smaller, and they become more power and for- powerful, and it's just really impossible to keep up. So, uh, you know, I, I think Imagineering needs to come up with uh, some sort of retro-themed vibe that works pretty well, but then also, you know, but is, you know, is also able to uh, accomplish kind of the big themes of of what we're going to see in, in the future. So uh, I think there's an opportunity for, for Disneyland to go vertical as well. And that'll give them more space to, uh, to focus on, on some of those things that I think are coming up in the next 20, 30 years, such as uh, the technological race um, for uh, green tech and cheaper and more efficient um, self-driving autonomous cars and other forms of transportation 
uh, automation in the workplace and automation uh, beyond in the home. And, of course, the space race uh, to Mars colonization, which is, of, uh, you know, a flashback to uh, one of Tomorrowland's early, earlier attractions, the Mission to Mars. So there's definitely, there's definitely some opportunities there in Tomorrowland at, for Disneyland. Yeah, I, um, I feel really uh, hopeful that something good will come out of that for Tomorrowland because honestly, when I'm there, it's, it's the one place I really don't spend much time in. I just don't connect with it. Um, I, uh, I grew up in Arizona, so Disneyland was the park we go to as a kid, and I loved Tomorrowland. I loved the People Mover especially and um and i know that the rocket rods reconfigured and ada requirements are changed but i can't i can't think that there isn't a way to throw money at figuring out that whole people mover or something in that place because that is such an important kinetic element to that to that corner of the park well, I'd, I'd like to hear about what you'd like to see change in the park. You know, Walt's Park is uh, very special, so I think you have to be careful with it. Yeah, no, I um, I think there are a couple of things. One of them is that um, I think you have an older infrastructure where everything is leaned up against everything else. So you touch the Autopia, you're touching, you're touching the submarines. I mean, it's all layered on top of each other. And, oh, by the way, you're touching the monorail because its track is running on. So that whole area that includes the old motorboat cruise area, the Autopias, all that is just one big challenge in and of itself. Then you have things like the carousel building and the people mover tracks, which, again, old infrastructure touching other elements. And when you don't have a promising IP because... You know, it seems like everything has to be an IP. It's really hard to justify that larger that larger budget. Moving over to DCA. Now, when I was there um, for Galaxy Edge's opening, they had a California version of Soren playing at uh, in the Soren Theater, and I couldn't have been happier. <laughs> The, the print was a little old, needs to be digitized or something, but uh, I love the original Soren. So I'd love for them to just keep that puppy permanent and not jumping to Epcot, but I wouldn't mind putting out an, an open gate for that uh, at Epcot as well. Well, you know, they do have a third theater out in uh, Epcot, so they could rotate different versions of that theater in and out. I think that would be pretty cool. How about how about other sections of uh, Disney California Adventure? Anything that you'd like to see? We've got a lot of stuff coming in with uh, Marvel, although we don't call it Marvel, uh, or the attorneys ask that we not. But um, but with Spider Man and um, another ask Ant Man, um, what do you what what are your thoughts on on other things for Disney California Adventure? Well, I think one thing that Disney California Adventure needs is uh, better, more permanent festival facilities. Now that they've started, uh, you know, a food and wine and a and other festivals the mm. out there, um, there's better, you know, 
permanent locations. I know they kind of had that idea when they first opened California Adventure, but they were never really big enough to accomplish what what Disney needs to accomplish with with a festival like that. So I think California Adventure could could kind of make like Epcot and fill in some of the down periods of the year with uh, with better festivals throughout the year. So that's one thing I'd like to see. Uh, the other thing I'd really like to see is more Marvel in the parks. I know they're they're finishing uh, building out this this Marvel Land, but uh, and then you know connecting that to Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, so you know there's there's a whole world of Marvel that that could be explored out there with a uh, you know different types of of ride technology. So more Marvel's definitely on my list. And then I think. Uh, uh, I guess staying over on that on that side of the park, um, I think you know there's been talk for a long time about an indoor coaster for for DCA. Um, Monsters Inc. Uh, immediately springs to mind that that uh, door roller coaster that everybody talked about. But I'm open I'm open to other ideas. But an indoor roller coaster, dark in the dark, uh, you know, like Rock and Roller Coaster is a uh, or Turtle. Uh, the crush roller coaster that they have out in the studios park in Paris. You know, I think something like that is missing from, from the product mix and there's definitely room for it over, over in the, uh, over by the Hyperion theater and uh, you know, the existing that that's that side of the park. Well, and I think the back end of the Hollywood backlot is a good place to, to address that. There's just, space to do so many things and uh and it's uh it's just uh a missing uh it's just it's just uh, a messy space right now as it is so um i i was really surprised because i thought that they would put the marvel not to be called marvel edition <laughs> in that space um uh and I think there was some thought about that with the idea of changing out the the entrance on that side of the park from Harbor Boulevard. But anyway, it's not happening. Um, so how about the rest of the Disneyland Resort? Anything else that, outside the gates for downtown Disney or anything else, the hotels? Well, one of the things that I'd like to see, and this, this is maybe a little blue sky, but I think Disney should... Uh, if it comes on the market, purchase Garden Walk, uh, which would, uh, you know, connect the Disneyland main two parks to its remote parking um, across Catella and down Harbor a little bit. And then uh, use that to uh, build, use that property there to build a third gate connected by a new transportation system. Maybe that's a people mover or a gondola or, or some other system, but, but something that, that stays off the roads. And then uh, take advantage of that property that was going to be the uh, East Gateway entrance and, and build build some parking structures over there to accommodate all the new traffic. So uh, I'm not saying they need to build that third gate right away, but they should make an announcement soon because it's going to, you know, those things take seven to ten years to build. And uh, there's definitely demand and uh, for more capacity, and they're running out of space in the in the two parks. So... Uh, you know, declare now that, that that property is going to become a third park. And, uh, you know, they, uh, the other thing that they need is, uh, more hotel rooms. So, um, I think, uh, 
I think, you know, you know there the Garden Walk idea originally had some Disney owned or managed hotels in it. But where I'd like to see is, uh, you know, in that parking lot that's behind the Paradise Pier Hotel, um, build a new luxury resort back there. Don't build it over downtown Disney. I thought that was a crazy place for a hotel uh, right on top of your other hotels. Take advantage of that other space. Build kind of a nice Stormalong Bay style uh, water waterfront in front of the hotel between the hotel and Disney California Adventure and then uh, connect the two. So, um, of course, to uh, accommodate all that, you may also need my third wish for Disneyland Resort, which is uh, better relations with the Anaheim City Council. So uh, Garden Walk, uh, a new hotel, and better relations with the Anaheim City Council. Anything else, and I agree, anything on parking, it would be, and I wouldn't mind, it would be interesting to see a, a Star Wars hotel show up as a boutique kind of experience. Yeah, I think, I think Disney may want to see how well the Star Wars hotel does out in uh, Orlando before they decide to build one in Disneyland, but uh, I'm not opposed to the idea of an ultra-themed hotel out there in California. I love that idea, and I think it would make a lot of Disneyland folks out there, a lot of Californians, really happy to see to see that um, that occur to that that corner of the property. All right, we'll uh, we'll take a plane over to Florida, and uh, I have a feeling our list for Walt Disney World may be a little longer <laughs> than our list for Disneyland. So let's just do it. Let's go. Well, as you can see, we have barely rolled up our sleeves and gotten started. This has been part one, uh, looking at Disneyland. Uh, join us shortly for part two, where we go into depth with Walt Disney World. Please subscribe to us um, with Podbean or with iTunes, and uh, so that you can be notified of these podcasts. I thank John Frost for joining us and look forward to um, having you listen in as uh, John and I share about our thoughts about what we'd like to see changed at Walt Disney World. Join us. We're excited to have you.